Hey guys, welcome back to the Alpha Artist Podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works, where each week we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. Hi. Let's <laughs> we'll keep going. No. My name is Ben. Adam's getting really mad at me because the intros are getting like less and less tight. And he's like, I really want to tighten them up and then have like a punchy like music cut in. And I'm like, that is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Because Ben is going to continually fuck with me. No. We're also joined by Laura. Hello. Which felt like it should have. We should have, that should have happened before now. It's yeah, too late. that's why I kept mine short. Oh, you, well, you didn't say your name, though, so you really <laughs> didn't keep it short if you fucking think about it. Look, we got Laura back because she's a subject matter expert on the um, topics that we wanted to cover. Um, we're going to do all three Lord of the Rings movies. We're going to try generally to talk about like a lot of the themes and stuff that still resonate. Um, I lost half my notes because they didn't sync properly. Um, I apologize for that in advance. I've still got some of it, so we'll see how we go. But yeah, I wanted to like focus on... As film, like, because they, they've aged pretty well, I think it goes without saying. But before we get to the summary, what did you guys think? Uh, like, what's your history with these? And then what did you think? We'll start with you, Ben. Well, I'm, I'm born in New Zealand. So, by, by you know, if I don't love these films, I lose my citizenship. Yeah. Um, by birthright, you have to like I them. have to love these films. And I do. Not just because I have to. But I think this, like, this is, this watch through is probably, like, the first time where I've really, like, put in the effort to follow it and, like, understand what's going on. Right. <laughs> like, okay. Really? I'm I'm not good at films. Like I, yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm really bad at like following like names and like who people are and what they're doing, and especially Lord of the Rings. Like I saw this first, like this film the first time See, when I was like super young. I have young. to put in extraordinarily little effort because I already know who all the people are, and I've already seen these films multiple times, so I just know everything. Ben sitting on the couch. This is the like, first. Ben's like, what's a glam drink? Look, this is the f- like I like I I vaguely know like the characters. What's but in is, a door? But this is like the first time where I've put together. I'm like, all right, that's. Uh, that's that's happened like three thousand years ago. Yeah. So don't get confused about where that character's ended up. He's dead. It's been three thousand years. For the elf who oh, well, that's the dead. thing. Except for some <laughs> that's the who thing. are not dead. That's the thing. Like that. As a kid, that confused the hell out of me. Also, I was like, why they're the same person? What the fuck? But it, like, where is that? Where's that king? Where you know the guy with the ring who didn't put where sh- he should be somewhere? Isn't he? He looks like Aragorn. Is he Aragorn? <laughs> I thought he was. Why I thought these, he was Aragorn. Why do all of these rugged men have the same hair? Why do all these men look identical? Like it it's, doesn't fit like it's that. A very yeah. confusing film. But so this time you you were able to digest it a bit more. And I think I'm just like put out like I knew beforehand. I was like, all right, Ben, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pay attention to this goddamn. I like film. to imagine you. Like, you're gonna try to follow before it. a sports game, like pumping yourself up, being like, hey, you got this now. You <laughs> yeah, got but it then when they get to the fucking moon elves and it's all whatever the fuck they are, and it's like, so, I'm sorry, where did these people come from? Right. It's just oh my god. You mean god. Lothlorien? Yeah, that place. Galadriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like Galadriel. when I was a kid, I call, I thought Galadriel and uh, Aragorn's love interest were just the same person. As a kid. What? But they have different hair colours. <laughs> you can change your hair, Laura. <laughs> they're so similar apart from that. You can dye your hair if you want. They're different actresses, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, their, <laughs> their faces are different, is how you can tell. <laughs> I was very confused so as a clear, kid. Clearly, this is your first time properly experiencing it. What did you think? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's Lord of okay. the Rings. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. Lord of the Rings. I like I it. It holds yeah. up really well. Um, is, um, for the first time, I kind of... Um, because... I, I guess quick shout out to Corridor Digital. Uh, a little while ago, we watched their video about the visual effects of their, um, Lord of the Rings. Their VFX artist reacts to g- bad and good visual effects series, and they yeah. did a whole two yeah. videos on Lord of the Rings. I think. Yeah, and like they dug into like 
some of the VFX and like how they worked. And so for the first time, I kind of actually like noticed some of the visual effects. Not noticing it's not bad. It's just like for me, I like kind of appreciated what went into those visual effects. It was really especially cool. knowing what there are some shots yeah. that are pure CG, and it is so hard to tell. Like it yeah. is insane. Like once you know that it's there, you, can you know it's there, you pick can pick up on it. But, but like it's fuck, it's incredible. It looks so good. Though. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. these films look great to start with. Yeah, it, it wasn't that sweet spot of like it. It was that perfect age of, like, the prequels had just happened, and so it was like, oof, better, better dial it back a little bit. <laughs> it was, like, the perfect sweet yeah, spot of, they, of historical they couldn't, filmmaking. You couldn't really get full CG environments like you can now, so you couldn't you couldn't do, like, Wakanda, for yeah. example. Right. So-, so a lot of it's... A lot of the environments are minis, so they have a blue a blue a blue set, and they have small bits, and then they composite the minis in the background. Cool. And they'll put like little actors in the background as well to make it look more lively, and it is incredible. Like, you, do you you know that shot sort of towards the middle where it's going through um, the tunnels in Orthanc? Um, yeah, like. It's Saruman's doing like a fly through place. of the tunnels. Yeah. That's a yeah. camera moving through like a three miniature. different minis. That's fucking sick. I love yeah. shit like it's that. It's so cool. And then they just composited in different and, like and like it bits ends of in like a real shit. shot of Saruman because it yeah. it goes up to him. That's so like, that's just crazy. It's such a cool shot. Yo, guys, and like the sh- the wide shot of like really Frodo cool. in that bef- just before the fellowships form. There's just this wide shot of him standing there. That the entire background is mini. That's fucking yeah, sick. I love this film. This is like our Star Wars, I guess. Like, this was the film films that yes, I grew up with. definitely, yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting going back to them every time. Like, we read the book about two years ago and kind of put, pulled that apart and understood a bit about what that was about. And every time I come back to Lord of the Rings, I'm like, Tolkien was pretty good. Um, <laughs> these are, like, they are trite and cliche now because everyone's done all the stuff that's in them. But they still manage to not feel that way somehow. There is still a kind of... I think there's a, there's a griminess to these films that yeah. I fucking love. It's like the same reason I really... I've been rewatching The Walking Dead and I enjoy that because there's like a level of authenticity to the griminess. Yeah. Um, I yeah. kind of I enjoy the, the grit in these movies despite the fact that they are like very high fantasy. I mean, my, my one complaint as ever with these is that in Tolkien's mind, it's women don't women. really seem to exist. There's two women in all of Middle Earth. Could be worse. Could be The Hobbit. Not a There's woman. not a single woman. Anyway, inside. let's um let's do the summary and we can talk about women later. It's oh. one of the points. Yeah, given that as a kid, I thought they were the same woman. So <laughs> oh, yeah. no. I think it's you just might great. have issues yeah. with people like identifying people based on their faces. <laughs> you remember who we are at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm just checking. That would be um, a bit worrying if you didn't. I've known you yeah. long enough. Now, like my summary got destroyed, so this is just gonna be a salvage, so you straight from the bowels uh, of Wikipedia. Straight from the, straight from the, the, the mouth of the beast, so I apologize. Adam, you oof, good luck. In the second age of Middle-earth, the lords of elves, dwarves, and men are given rings of power. Elsewhere, the Dark Lord Sauron forges the One Ring in Mount Doom, infusing into it a great part of his power to dominate the other rings so he might conquer Middle-earth. A final alliance of men and elves battles Sauron's forces in Mordor, where Princess Sildor of Gondor severs Sauron's finger and the ring with it. He claims the ring for himself and is eventually killed. The ring is lost for 2,500 years until, until it is found by Gollum, who owns it for five centuries. The ring is then found by a hobbit named Bilbo Baggins, who turns invisible when he puts it on, but is unaware of its storied history. Sixty years later, Bilbo celebrates his 111th birthday in the Shire, reuniting with old friend Gandalf the Grey. Bilbo reveals that he intends to leave the Shire for one last adventure, and he leaves his inheritance, including the ring, to his nephew Frodo. Gandalf, suspicious of the ring, tells Frodo to keep it a secret and to keep it safe. 
Gandalf then investigates the ring, discovers its true nature, and returns to warn Frodo. Gandalf also learns that Gollum was tortured by orcs, and that Gollum uttered two words during his torture, Shire and Baggins. Gandalf instructs Frodo to leave the Shire, accompanied by his friend and gardener, Samwise Gamgee. Gandalf, meanwhile, rides to Isengard to meet with fellow wizard Saruman the White, but learns that he has joined forces with the evil Sauron, who has dispatched his nine undead Nazgul servants to find Frodo. Sauron consequently imprisons Gandalf. Frodo and Sam are joined by fellow hobbits Merry and Pippin, and they evade the Nazgul, arriving in Bree, where they are meant to meet Gandalf. Gandalf never arrives, and they are instead aided by a ranger named Strider, a friend of Gandalf's. Hobbits are ambushed by Nazgul on Weathertop, and their leader, the Witch King, stabs Frodo with a cursed Morgul blade. Arwen, an elf, and Strider's betrothed, locates them and the Hobbits, and helps save Frodo, riding with him back to Rivendell. Frodo meets Gandalf, who escaped Isengard with help from, I don't know how you say this name, Gwahir, the eagle? Gwahir? Gwahir? Gwahir. The eagle. One of those is probably correct. One of them. It's a big bird, (laughs) yo. Uh, that night, Aragorn reunites with Arwen at Rivendell, where they confirm their love and commitment for each other. Meanwhile, Lord Elrond holds a council that decides that the ring must be destroyed in Mount Doom. Frodo volunteers to take the ring, accompanied by Gandalf, Sam, Merry Pippin, Legolas, Gimli, Boromir of Gondor, and Strider, who is at the meeting revealed to be Aragorn, Isildur's heir, and the rightful king of Gondor. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Some things happen. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring sets off, but Saruman's magic forces them to travel through the mines of Moria, so much to Gandalf's displeasure. The Fellowship discovers that the dwarves within Moria have been slain, and they are attacked by orcs and a cave troll. They defeat them, but are confronted by Durin's Bane, a Balrog residing within the mines. Gandalf casts the Balrog into a vast chasm, but is dragged down with it. The rest of the Fellowship, now led by Aragorn, reaches Lothlorien, home to the elves Galadriel and Celeborn. Galadriel privately informs Frodo that only he can complete his quest, and that one of his friends will try and take the ring before this is all over. Meanwhile, Saruman creates an army of Urukai to track down and kill the Fellowship. The Fellowship leaves Lothlorien by the river to path Galen. Frodo wanders off and is confronted by Boromir, who tries to take the ring in desperation. Frodo then decides to travel to Mordor alone. The Fellowship is ambushed by the Urukai. Merry and Pippin are taken captive, and Boromir is mortally wounded by the Orc Chieftain. Aragorn arrives and slays the Chieftain and watches Boromir die peacefully. Sam follows Frodo, accompanying him to keep his promise to Gandalf. Meanwhile, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli head off to rescue Merry and Pippin. Credits. So. So many bromances. In so film. many bromances. There's it's a all lot. Very good. Yeah. There's a lot of moments where it's just like right in the feels. Yeah. Uh, when the, the shy music swells and you get oh. yourself a little tear oh. in your little, in your little baby boy eye. <laughs> when Sam hops in that water, he tries oh. to swim and it's like, Sam, you can't swim. And he's like, I don't care. And you're like, I oh, no. Nobody, nobody can hurt these boys. They're too pure. Um, I want to read you a, a quote from Tolkien on fellowship. Because um, one of the big things about the movies that's been debated to death is whether or not they're like better than the books or different or whatever it might be. I think one of the key things to consider before we discuss and pick apart the film is like the intention behind the original stories. The films are a lot different than the books, so we'll, we're just going to talk about the movies. But I think it's important to like acknowledge um, that Tolkien, when he put these stories together. Obviously, they were very, like, al- accidentally kind of allegorical for World War II and a lot of things that were going on in his life. 
but that kind of wasn't the point of what he was doing. So he, this is a quote um, from him, quote, the most critical reader of all myself now finds many defects, minor and major, but being fortunately under no obligation either to review the book nor to write it again, he will pass over these in silence, except one that has been noted by others. The book is too short, end quote. <laughs> Which somebody irony. I mean, who has ever said that it's too short? <laughs> I mean, <Jeez. laughs> I feel like that's a definitely a good point. Like that he's like, yo, it's too short, and everyone's like, says fucking who? These things are massive. <laughs> but I, th- I think the 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 books in comparison, in contrast to the movies, the books are a lot more like a, a high drama. They were a lot more focused on the character like moments. Uh, they they sort yeah. of when we talked about it, they they read more like kind of almost like uh, like uh, like neighbors and that kind of thing. Like they got a there's an element of it really is a drama about a bunch of people trying to get along. Whereas the movie is definitely like a blockbuster adventure, which yeah. depending on what you're into, I think that's, I mean, some yeah. of the character relationships do definitely fall a bit by the wayside, particularly the introduction of Marion Pippin, like in the book, it's like they're friends and they want to help, but you get like, like a solid eight or nine chapters. Before you get a lot yeah. of, you get a lot of just the hobbits. Yeah. Yeah. Except in the film, it's just like, they're there. Farmer maggot mushrooms. Yeah, they literally bowl into our main characters. (laughs) I I, I think the interesting thing though is like the the movies don't. I don't think they don't think they need to dwell as in the Shire as much as the books do. Like the books, I think you get through about four or five years of of in universe time in the Shire. Yeah, to get immersed in it to understand what it is they're leaving behind. Whereas I think the movie establishes it pretty handily, pretty quickly. It just plays the Shire theme, and you're like, "That's all I need to know." Shows you like rolling green. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, "All right, cute little." Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you're like, okay. yep, like sure. honestly, it, it really is just like you go. I get it. This is a pretty nice place. Like it doesn't. You, you know, like it, it's funny how that the movie can, so much shorthand, so much yeah. shorthand that that just you know them rolling barrels, them doing table dancing and drinking, like the all of you know them being scared of the dragon, all of that stuff. It communicates so much so quickly. And this, I, I think it's you know obviously a credit to to Jackson and the the incredible yeah. work that the various teams did on these movies that yeah. there is so much detail in all of those scenes and it communicates so much in like you know yeah. what is it like 20, 30 minutes that you're in the Shire. <laughs> I, I definitely think the yeah. film definitely like drives home that like idea of the hobbits being like really simple folk, but at the same time hobbits like Frodo and Bilbo are just like so strong and like show like the strength of hobbits. Mm-hmm. Even just, like, that moment near the beginning of the film where Bilbo, like, lets the ring fall and, like, leaves it behind. When it's it's been with him for so long, Mm -hmm. having, like, the meta-knowledge of, like, having seen those films before and, like, knowing how much of a hold it would have, like, that's such a great, like... Yeah, it keys you into something that... And, again, it's hard to set up because they're not really themes. They're, like, actual plot. Um, divide like it's a plot contrivance that that he finds the ring from Gollum, and then like it communicates a lot about what you should be focusing on in the story, and a lot of the camera work around like the the, the lingering camera on the ring in Frodo's hand, and all, like all, all the little subtle stuff they do where they have him kind of cradle all, all that sort of thing. It communicates so much about like that this thing has this ability to divide and you know draw people in, and like they really sell the power of the ring to kind of like get into your head. There's a moment in the second one that that I was thinking about when I was writing down the notes for this, where the second one basically like Frodo's a junkie, where he just like has a slept, <laughs> yeah. and like he just looks like shit, yeah. and yeah. you're like, this guy's having it rough. <laughs> but this one, I think that only works because this film sets up so much of that expectation. Yeah. And but but then it's interesting because the, the that's on one hand it's like that idea of man's greed is the big big focus of all three films, but particularly this one 
because it is like all of the that argument well, like, in Rivendell yeah. is pretty indicative of that Boromir and the, the breaking the fellowship specifically is just like this whole like big thing where it's like this fellowship only breaks because of Boromir's greed and his desire to take the ring for right. himself. It's the the greed of man once again overcomes the the, the goodness. Of, but then the, there's something in the coding of that which never quite sits right as you get further into the the uh, that particular scene. So like you know, it's pretty it's pretty fucking scary when he's like trying to grab the ring from Frodo. It's yeah. like that's some real shit where you're like, it's fucking abusive stepdad. I mean. <laughs> like it, it, it has that tone of like, yeah. what's this guy gonna do? And and then in the next one, be- Frodo becomes that junkie, and there's this sort of there's I guess the idea that the greed of man spoils everything, but at the same time like. The mercy of hobbits. There's a line in this I fucking love where um, Gandalf's like, the mercy of hobbits might save us all or something like that. Yeah, that's that a effect. reference to Gollum, yes. Yeah, because one of the big ideas around this is, like, Gollum is the end point if you hang on to the ring. So, like, yeah. if Frodo yeah. didn't throw it into Mount Doom, he'd become the corrupted Gollum. If Boromir yeah. got the ring, he wouldn't become Gollum. He would conquer, you know, the all conquer the, the world of fall into darkness, whatever yeah. it might be. But the idea is, like, hobbits are intrinsically, they don't have that greed. Gollum doesn't go out and conquer kingdoms and shit. He yeah. just, you know, eats fish in a fucking cave and, yeah. and rots. I mean, hobbits still have greed to them. I get, That's, like, it, but, a, around, yeah. like, greed for food and, like, a nice hobbit and stuff, hole and all that. But it's yeah. not so much greed for power. And, and that's interesting in contrast with mercy. It's, like, power and mercy sit on two kind of diametric ends in this story where, in that discussion with Gollum in the, in the cave, when Frodo's like, yo, we should just murk, like, we should get rid of this guy. I don't know why you're letting him walk around. Like he's he's clearly he's evil. Like he's fucked up. Um, and Gandalf says, um, uh, so Frodo suggests let's just get rid of him. And Gandalf says, "quote deserves it. I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends." End quote. And I think it sets up the idea that the mercy of the hobbits is somehow essential in the destruction of evil and the seeking of power. That it's that not only is it valor and accepting one's past, which is kind of Aragorn's arc through these movies, yeah. but the humility of the whole process. Right. Uh, so, like, Boromir is the, he's the embodiment of pride and kind of yeah. greed, and then Aragorn's the embodiment of, like, humility yeah. and valor. And then hobbits seem to sit in this weird, like, neutral zone. In this movie where I can never tell like what it is they're trying to tell yeah. us about them. I mean it's kind of like the it's it's kind of like a juxtaposition as like you know, because Sauron kind of represents the same kind of like greed and arrogance and hunger for power. Mm-hmm. Um and like through the ring that um that brings out those qualities within Boromir. I mean, I dare say he has them to begin with, but it it kind of like yeah, it feeds on them. It seems to intimate that everyone has this like ability to do evil within them in yeah. these stories, which is kind of always like, it's a big fantasy thing. It's a big <laughs> yeah. fan- like you know, anyone could be seduced. It's like a whole thing in Star Wars. You know, like it's the the seduction of like the power and the greed and and like yeah. men are just it's like a big thing. Man is just like man is really corruptible, and like you've got these Nazgul who are like you know the yeah. the ultimate corrupted sort of uh, vessels in that way, I guess. But then, you know, the film also is sort of, like, the the literal symbolism in this movie is less important than the actual iconography that characters carry. So, like, the the symbols become, like, recurring literal physical objects, like the ring yeah. is obviously yeah. a big one. Um, the, the light, that the Galad- file of Galadriel. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big tree one. The tree of Gondor. Yeah, the tree of Gondor, the white yeah, tree of Gondor. Um, the broken sword. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. is a big one. Those like cloaks. The, with, like, the elven cloaks. El- with the brooches. Yeah. The sword they, that glows when there's the orcs, orcs are, like, and it's Even like, the lemba spread to an extent. Exactly. Yeah. And these are all like tools for the journey, but they, they become symbolic. Like the... It's a really weird thing where, like, yeah, these films in particular, I think it's why it doesn't feel trite. Because we were saying before, like, this is, you know, it's, it's a fantasy cliche, a lot of this. It doesn't feel trite because all of those things, while they have symbolic meaning, you know, the 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 fact that the the ch- the chainmail, the, the, the plate... Uh, mithril. The, the mithril that, that Frodo wears that's given to him by... Full myth. Um, by, by old mate. It, it literally... Sorry. Honestly, no. <laughs> fuck you. I thought you were going for a RuneScape one or something. Yeah. There you go. That's that's one for all your kids at home. Um, but like, it really is, like, you know, um, it that that the fact that that saves his life um, when the, the cave troll tries to murk him, it's like, okay, well, that's the grace of, like... It's it's effectively the grace of Bilbo giving up the ring that saves his life, in a way. But it's That's, also and that also ties into the whole like the and it's pretty explicitly said the whole like there's more to the hobbits than yeah. sort of meets and, the and eye. Even if you go back right. far enough into the Hobbit, where he actually like attains that like Mithril, like he doesn't get it because he wants it. He gets it because. The dwarves like him and they want to give him something. That's kind of interesting, too, because these are objects that are carried. There's a big focus in this, like, obviously it's a, it's a walking movie. They walk, they tr- it's a journey, it's a walking, right? Walking yeah, film. it's a big walking film. Um, but there's also this idea that, like, these are carried objects that these these characters have. I've been rewatching The Walking Dead and they do a similar thing with objects in that where those characters season to season move from place to place. And there are several carried objects that have permanence through that story. So, like... um. When the character has like a samurai sword, like Michonne's samurai sword, um, Rick's uh, revolver, um, Rick's hand cannon. Yeah, this giant hand cannon. His um, hat. His hat. Those kinds of things. Like they they are physical objects, but they come to take on symbolic meaning through their use in the journey. But one of the interesting things about this movie is that Boromir reveals that he and Faramir had the same dream, um, which is that, and this is in the extended cut, which is that they should seek the broken sword and a sealed Lisbane at Rivendell. Uh, and the dream is like not literal because neither of those items are at Rivendell when they when they have that dream. Like both of those items, like the broken sword has been with Strider all the while. Um, uh, Isildur's bane is the ring, which is carried by Frodo. Um, it's not till they get to Rivendell that, and uh, this is a weird, like, little aside thing that that is revealed in the extended cut, but not in the original movie, which is that. And I can't remember if it's if it's in the book as well, but the Aragorn has the sword with him when they get to Rivendell, and then puts it, you know, back on the display table. I don't know if it's in the extended cut. I don't know. It's Sad. definitely in the. Books. I don't think it's in the extended cut. No. So maybe the maybe the sword is at Rivendell then in the movie. Yeah, we it see it. We, we only see it, see like, it at on, Rivendell on the, like, on the thing yeah. in the yeah, film. It's the first time we see it. We he doesn't do that thing where he like reveals the broken sword and says his poem like he does in the book. It's pretty fucking. It's a pretty cool moment in the book. It's um, pretty good. It's, I like. I like the the book is great because people do like they they'll they'll bust out poetry as a dramatic speech. It's yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's so, so good. good. These visions aren't necessarily super accurate. Um, yeah. Boromir is not actually seeking those things. He's seeking the, the fellowship and seeking the people in it. But then it just turns out that he be- like he becomes obsessed with the idea of that vision. And so this Galadriel has some fucking throwaway line about when when she's like, you know, if you look into this shit, it's going to show you some stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that the prophecies are going to come true, and you have to yeah. be weary of visions. And obviously, that becomes a big theme in the uh, the second one with the. Um, uh, what, uh, the what's the Orby or thing. the orb the, yeah. the, the can- palantir yeah that, that's a big thing with the palantir that i mean even in the first film it's like when when saruman is using it and and 
Gandalf is like, yeah, he's what, what are you doing, doing dog? Yeah, he's like, that's a bad move. That's, that's a bad one. And there's something about the idea of prophecy as being inherently problematic in these. I don't know if that's just like a product of Tolkien didn't like the idea of destiny and fate and shit like that. Um, and that's pretty evident throughout all of his work. Like, he's kind of the, he's the opposite. He's like the anti-Lewis Carroll. Right. Uh, Lewis Carroll was like, prophecy and, like, the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe is, like, all about yeah. God and stuff like that. And Tolkien was like, fuck all of that. Fuck all, yeah. fuck all of that. I mean, like, <laughs> like, from the, from, like, a big kind of overarching kind of perspective, it's like, you have, um, Aragorn, who in any other fantasy story would probably be the main character. Definitely. But he actually gets his butt saved by a group of hobbits, basically. Pretty much. I mean, he gets he gets uh <laughs> he gets his ass saved by uh his his uh his 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 fiance as well. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's not like the best hero in the world. <laughs> like she comes in and does some elf shit and some magic, and he's like, oh, I can't do any of that crap. <laughs> like, yeah, he's you not. Got me he's, beat there. He's not the main character because, and he has forsaken like a lot of the things that would make him your general fantasy protagonist. Like you could imagine a different version of the story, i.e., Aragon. I was literally like, going to say Aragon. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, he's the future. He's the king to be, and it's about him going on a journey to find out to be king to it's be. It's hard to avoid that film, it's especially not, when one of the yeah. characters is just like two letters off. <laughs> it's just not particularly interesting to watch yeah. for some reason. Whereas this is still engaging because, yeah, Aragon is decentralized by the fact that. Frodo, a hobbit of essentially little more merit than other hobbits. Like, there's nothing about Frodo that makes him special. I mean, the books he's really drive that. Yeah, the books really drive that home. That, like, yeah. he's, no, he's like an adopted Baggins, too. Yeah. Like, he's not even a fucking real one. Um, he's just nobody. And that makes him perfect for the task of destroying the ring. Because when you're nobody, I guess you want nothing. It's kind of an interesting, you know, yeah. inversion there. Uh, but that comes back to, like, the hobbits and being associated with, like, earth and nature and... Like this, this recurring theme that whilst Tolkien didn't st- like didn't start, it's just like a lit- literary carry through for some reason, which is that like nature and earth are like good, and like steel and industry and fire are bad, and like yeah. these films lean into that they really pretty do. heavily. I mean, like yeah, it's all not this, subtle. All this film needs is Tom Bombadil. I mean, and then it's literally, just like, like honestly, Sam yeah. is a gardener, and like hobbits love things that grow and all that. Yeah, and then you have like. <laughs> that juxtaposed against Saruman and his, like, cutting down trees. His, and-, and his gross people who come out of weird, like... Ah, the flesh sacks. Fleshy sacks, yeah. Birthing yeah. scene. Oh, it's not good. I hate that. It's I mean, it- it's a great scene, but oh, it's... it's grotty. What if we didn't say we did? <laughs> Every time that scene comes up, we're like... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty disgusting. Right. and But, like, that's a pretty mainstay in, like, a lot of media is, like, that, that theming. And yeah. it's, again, easy shorthand. I, Avatar, yeah, the Last Airbender, and 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 Jim Cameron's Avatar, and the Jim Cameron's yeah. Avatar actually. Yeah. Well, Jim Cameron's Avatar goes way beyond like metaphor, yeah. and it's like if you don't like the planet, you're a monster. If you don't want to have k- k- kinky alien kinky hair sex, then you're, you're literally Hitler. You're <laughs> pretty much though, honestly. It does go pretty far with it, um, but like you know the 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 idea of this. Um, seems to be that after World War II, um, there was a lot of destruction, and and it was the the Western world was kind of ravaged. I mean, obviously, like Germany was fucked, Russia was just decimated, um, England was pretty pretty dinged up, and it was just a question of like, <laughs> just you buff it out. Well, yeah, like like the the the, the rebuilding after that Second World War yeah. was so much Insane. more significant than it had ever been in history and has ever been since that 
the idea of like rebirth yeah. and growth was like I think just like <clears throat> on top of mind. And another thing which kind of gets touched on in later films, um, although you get a bit of it with Bilbo as well, is that the <coughs> soldiers that went into war came back and then just like had no like infrastructure to support them yeah no jobs to go back to because they'd been at war for so long exactly and like you get that you get a little bit of that with bilbo where he's kind of kind of traumatized from yeah, he's like having the up. ring for so long and you get a lot more of that in like the final film it's definitely also a, a focus of aragorn's character versus boromir's where aragorn like has let the fight go and then boromir's like we've, we're at war like he yeah he's the guy he's like your punisher type character who like we have to go to who yeah like never never came back home from vietnam effectively you know despite being physically back home that kind of archetype and there is an element of i wonder if when constructing a fantasy world and obviously this is evident with things like game of thrones and martin's work that it's the reason it's so successful is it's based on a lot of historical stuff like a lot of the battles and stuff obviously like they weren't dragons in real life but like (laughs) a lot of the battles and stuff he like you know based the political um, oppositions and stuff off actual history, and it yeah. it, ge- it gave it gives things a level of authenticity. And I think this film, in particular, is lent its authenticity by the fact that a lot of those themes are just probably things that Tolkien observed in his real life. Of these, you know, the Boromir that he knew that was kind of the guy who was always at war, who eventually his greed and lust for power was, you know, and then the Ar- the Aragorn, the guy who's kind of forsaken a lot of that and trying to have the simple life, but is really destined for the calling. Like a lot of that stuff, it, it, it is fantasy tropes, but it probably was also, it's just stuff that you see in real life. I mean, um, tropes exist for a reason, right? Yeah, they stick to the wall. But then, then if you think about this film for too long, like a lot of it's pretty one-to-one in a way that doesn't feel satisfying. Like Gandalf's staff is made of like a literal ancient tree, whereas Saruman's <laughs> is not. Yeah. Um, Galadriel's garden is like made in the image of a god, like literally with the, the law behind it. Um, but it's not real because it's like of the fairy kind of realm. Like it's it's sort of like it's it's a perfect garden, but it's not a natural garden. Right. So there's a there's something sinister yeah. to well, it. There's an idea um, in Lord of the Rings, and you get a bit of this in the Silmarillion as well, is that like, you know, the elves and all of their magic and everything is so perfect and so good, but like there's something about like the humans you have elves that decide well of the house of elrond who they're half elven Mm -hmm. so they can decide to be human or to be elven right um elrond chose human his brother elros who is i believe aragorn's aragorn's ancestor um that's spooky (laughs) the the door just opened um hello yeah, so um, so his brother Elros picked human, and this idea that like an elf would want to be human mm. to like experience a human life of aging and then dying mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Yeah, and there's there's definitely the the notion that like that is the pure thing to well like well that that is that lacks purity, and that is the thing to be sought is like the the real or the authentic, whereas the like the elf way of life is somehow like it, it's preternatural almost like you know the, the fact that the garden um you can't drink from the the whatever it is like the tr- the water in the the forest like it, it, something something's fucked up about it you know you can't there's just this weird like there's a, there's sinister undertones when something is too pure and the elves kind of take that on whereas i think 
if if you're talking about then I guess the humans as being these corruptible creatures of greed and the hobbits being like the unattainably pure essentialists, like the naturalists who love gardening and like have an innocence to them. There's there's just a lot of like there's a lot of separation between the races that is coding, yeah. like deliberate coding yeah. to teach you the audience pretty much from the jump. Like when you see Legolas, there's a scene yeah. in the extended version that's cut from the original, um, this is straight from the books where they're going up the mountain pass and it's snowing and shit, and Legolas is like walking on top of the snowdrifts, yeah, like it's nothing, and everyone <laughs> yeah. else is like wading through them and like. You know, Borum is like dragging the Merry and Pippin or whatever, yeah. and he's able to just kind of perch on top of the snowdrift. Uh, it's like this idea that like they are somehow. Uh, I mean, these movies get kind of silly with it. I mean, he becomes like a super acrobat man <laughs> in the second. Turns one. into rubber. It's crazy. Yeah. It's weird. It's like he can do flips and shit, and then the Hobbit <laughs> takes it to a whole other level. Oh god! But Ugh. but conceptually, oh, god. like they are something else and they are something other. Whereas and dwarves are like. If, if elves are something other in yeah. a ethereal sense, dwarves are something other in a below sense where the where it's the but yeah. then it's like what the fuck are hobbits? Because Well, I mean, I think with hobbits, in a sense, in the in the like movies, they kind of infantilize them a bit. They're very childlike and they definitely play out that like childlike mm. innocence to them. Like they never really like it's it's like this sweet summer child thing where they don't really like understand the world around them exactly. and like the kind of depth that like it can go to because they've been in their little bubble in the shire this whole time born short yesterday <laughs> exactly bo- yeah born tiny yesterday <laughs> well then the elves the, but then the elves are the opposite where they they care so little about the goings-on because they live for they're so, so long yeah that they're just like no I don't give a fuck like yeah. th- there's that's interesting as a as a as a foil where it's like okay we well, got one race who because i mean for hobbits live for like 200 years right Oh no, it's it's like a hundred seventy something. A long time. Because he about- Frodo I mean, comes of age at like thirty, I think. It's like double humans. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know. It's something um, weird. Well, in the books, it's well. I Frodo's mean, like 50th- Bilbo gets to his one hundred eleventh, and apparently that's a grand old age for a hobbit. Yeah, and so- I think that's Frodo's fiftieth. So that's like in the books. middle age. It's one hundred eleven. No, that like no, grand, no, like that's like, like old. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like twilight years. Yeah, yeah. Well, one hundred eleven. Yeah. yeah, he should be dead. They're like he's got an unnaturally long life kind of thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I don't so know. It's man. only like just a hundred. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it, it's supposed to be longer. Um, than- apparently, their twenties are like their teens in the books. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. Yeah, but but it is like definitely coded to be like that. The interesting use word of finalization because it does have that element to it. But then it's like I always wonder with this stuff. It the the movies do such a good job of the casting with someone with with the the hobbits in particular have. Um, and, you know, obviously the film techniques help with that, you know, mm. trying to make Gandalf look big in that house is... Yeah. Well, the watching behind the scenes stuff for that is oh, fantastic. So good. There's um, some insane stuff that they It's do. really, really like, they cool. did that, a, that table, that split, split table, table. For one shot. It's a three second shot with both of them sitting at the table and the, the selling is the camera move. Yeah, that pans so they across. built this table that they could have both actors in the same room to do this like forced perspective shot, mm-hmm. but also have a table between them. And yeah, the t- and like one half Friggin the table insane. that Gandalf like, they is built at. This whole like, thing for one shot. It, it is honestly like that. That stuff is crazy to me. The, the the amount of detail put into it. But then like that's what that's what makes these films stand the test of time in a lot of ways. Yeah, some of the stuff like don't get me wrong, like some of the stuff, particularly in the 
second one, some of the CG in that does not necessarily hold up as well because um, there is a lot more combat and things like that. Yeah. But the practical the practical nature of making this stuff lends itself to... Okay, I mean, obviously, Viggo Mortensen took, went fucking crazy on it and he was like, I'm going to live in the forest and shit. And everyone was like, you don't have to do that. We can just put <laughs> dirt like, on do you. It anyway. like, I'm not going to shower the whole time. And everyone was like, could you please shower though? <laughs> like, there, like, a lot of that, that stuff behind the scenes makes it kind of quirky and interesting. Have you seen uh, the, the Gollum juice? I've <laughs> it's the uh, it's the thing that um what's his name would drink like before he did Gollum performances what, Andy, Serkis. Andy, Serkis. Andy Serkis and it was like they just flamed him up or something it's like this yeah it's like this weird concoction that like both flamed him up and also like kept his like vocal cords nice and limber oh, God. and he just had it in this this it's plastic bottle and it's just like with tape across it it just said Gollum juice <laughs> in, his, in his green morph <laughs> and he's suit. literally like walking around just drinking this putrid looking stuff is it me or is stuff. it like Mad Eye Moody vibes <laughs> yeah actually that's kind of crazy it's so yeah. funny uh, yeah look I, I, I think Broadly speaking, you know, they the films land in a place where you can pretty much watch this at any time and get something. Get something like it's they're always entertaining. That's the thing about a lot of it's the like rings. a film you show your kids as well because it's like yeah. it's held up so it just well holds and up like so your well. kids yeah. will enjoy it too because yeah. like Cause it's what's great. Cool stuff. It's like yeah. it's like there's battles and magic and, and it's swords. Swords. I like I <laughs> I like a good cloak. I like a, I like a real good cloak. Yep. This film has a lot of really good cloaks in it. Um, mm-hmm. I like a good haircut. There's a lot of really good long hair in this. Um, Yeah, look, I I think when we get to the second one, that's really when the meat and potatoes of a lot of the thematic stuff... Boil and mash and stick them in stew. stew. (laughs) That's when a lot of the thematic stuff is really brought to bear. Um, You know, particularly with Gollum and the the kind of antithesis between him uh, and Sam. Whereas I think this film much more focuses on Strider and Aragorn and Frodo's relationship. And the Fellowship of the Ring. And the... It's yeah, like it's the tide. The fellowship the happens pretty late in the piece. Yeah, all things considered, it's like, what like halfway? It's yeah, f- it's a bit further than halfway. In the extended cut, I think it's actually before halfway. But in the original one, it's a bit later. Um, but it definitely is. You know, the contrast of these characters together is what makes it interesting. It's so, like Frodo comes from a small place, has never really, never really wanted to do anything except live pretty happily. In the books, he's a bit more into adventure and stuff, but like he really just like he's just happy to be around. Whereas Aragorn is like the most important person in the world, um, but like wants to serve yeah. on a local level. I mean, there's so many like interesting like character interactions there where you have all of these like competing goals and desires and stuff. Mm. Um, if we can go back to the the Hobbit for a second, like mm-hmm. I'm just it just makes me think of like the. You know, like, the the party of dwarves, and it's like, well, there's, like, nine dwarves, and they all kind of want the same thing. So it's like, there's just no conflict there. Yeah. And so you might as well have just condensed them down to, like, maybe one or two characters would have been enough. It would be the first suggestion in most <laughs> structural editing. Get rid of all of those <laughs> fucking them, make dwarves. them one. Yeah, yeah, like, easy shit like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They probably would have been like, hey, Saruman and Sauron need to be the same person. Probably would have also been another <laughs> that suggestion. Can, that also change, confused or, the shit or, out of me or, as a know, kid. Like, change, Saruman change, and Sauron. Change, change the name. Yeah, I never fucking understood that. <laughs> Why not call Saruman something else? Literally it's really easy. Else. It's so Literally confusing. anything else. You're like, hmm, they are five <laughs> letters different. That's fucking confusing as hell. The books are really bad, though, because it's like, oh. there are so many names in that and so many elven names that after a while, yeah. like, there's one point where characters will reappear and then you'll, they'll be like, oh, it's me, blah, blah, blah. This you're person like, did this, and like, honestly, who? like it, it is like it's, literally it's, who? Yeah, it is a bit like that. But I, I think I find Game of Thrones worse. Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones is worse. Bad. It's pretty bad. It's also um, bad. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. We well, don't like Game of Thrones. You're no. like the one person in the world. So. Look, I, I, I got like three or four books through it. I don't know how many books are there. <sighs> They're pretty rough. 
Um, like, like eight. <laughs> I got to the second last book. I finished the second last book, mm-hmm. and then I stopped for a bit because, and then I tried to go back to the last book, and I couldn't remember any of that. <laughs> There's too much happens, man. Nightflyers, go read Nightflyers, the book. It's, it's real tight. Um, real, it's a real tight piece of Martin work. Uh, but I want to end with this quote from Tolkien where he's talking about allegory because I think it's going to inform a lot of our reading of the next movie because that one is where things get where problematic. The happen. Yeah, it's where the, the, the formula starts to unravel a bit, but it's somehow still the best of the three. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's weird. Um, it's got some good-ass battles in it. some fucking good battles. It's got some really good battles. Um, so this is Tolkien on allegory. Quote, I cordially dislike allegory in all of its manifestations, and I've always done so since I grew old and wary enough to detect its presence. I much prefer history, true or feigned, with its varied applicability to the thought and experience of readers. I think that many confuse applicability with allegory, but the one resides in the freedom of the reader and the other in the purposed domination of the author. End quote. And what he's trying to say there is that when you fill your story with allegory and metaphor and you're simile. Like you're forcing yourself. You kind of force your intention onto your reader. Yeah. And what he's saying is, I populate my stories with characters and with codes and symbols, and it's up to the audience to then come in and put put upon that what they will. Read into it. Read into it however yeah. they might do. Might do. Obviously, like, there is some stuff that is that has not aged favorably, like the, the orcs in the Urukai are sort of very much Mongolian in their coding. There's some stuff that it, that hasn't aged great, but I think in general, like his his process of approaching these stories is something that Peter Jackson definitely carried forward. Forward, which is like it's up to you, the reader, to then lay upon that symbolism, whatever interpretation you want. It never tells you to think or feel about anything in any type of way. Um, there are probably people that watch this that. Uh, feel vindicated when Boromir dies or feel a different kind of way about his death than I do. And that's because the film gives you the space and the, the, the lack of noise to let you decide. It doesn't do what a lot of movies do now. And this is something that is more becoming more and more prevalent as cinema is becoming centralized and kind of made for the masses. It's like films will try and tell you how to feel about a plot point. Uh, Marvel's pretty bad at it. They do it a lot where something will happen and the characters will kind of code the reaction the film expects from you. These films have aged so well because they don't force anything on you and they're just a pure expression of art and I fucking love them. I'm excited to watch the second one next week. (laughs) Do you guys have any recommendations for this week? Do you? Uh, I do. What do you got? Uh, I saw saw 1917 like last week. Mm And it's really good, mm-hmm. and I do recommend it. It's mm. a, it's basically Saving Private Ryan, but set in World War One. But if it's you're not a- sold, if you're not sold, I haven't seen it yet either, but I probably should. Um, if you're not sold, go and look up some of the behind the scenes as to how they pulled off some of those shots. So it's, it's insane. So the, it's it's like Birdman, where it's a one it's a one shot, but it ain't a one shot though. No, no, obviously. No, obviously. Yeah. But it's it's like it's that presented yeah, like. I mean. f- but like they have flow. like minutes long shots. Birdman is exhausting, like, so I'm excited yeah, for that. Yeah. Uh it's very good. Cool. Do All recommend right. it. Yeah, excellent. You got anything, Laura? I've just been playing more Still Pokemon. Pokemon. I was fucking I fucking knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Look, it's uh, I'm months I'm halfway later. through filling my Pokedex. Months <laughs> later, Laura. Months later. <laughs> I was editing an episode last night where you were like, it's Pokemon. And I'm like, how? <laughs> I recorded this two months ago. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I've been, re- I've been re- uh, rewatching The Walking Dead. I mentioned it before. Um, it It's still maintaining its momentum, but I'm getting to the end of the prison arc. And it's just like, it. It's. I know that the two bad seasons are about to hit me. So <laughs> I'm kind of like, Ugh. 
Um, but I've also been rewatching uh, Bloodline with Dom, which is like a it's a Netflix show. Definitely watch Bloodline. It's kind of like a whodunit, but the basic conceit is like it's this sort of this rich family who live in like a Bay Area in America, and there's one brother who's like a bad egg, played by Ben Mando Mendelsohn. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's got the guy from Friday Night Lights um, uh, as the, one of the main characters, and it's about like the clash between the bad egg of the family. Ben Mendelsohn, because of course that's who you cast. <laughs> and then, like, the rest of the family, and, like, you know, someone gets killed, and then it's sort of all about... It, it's a really, really subtly written show where it's all about, like, you're trying to read between the lines and work out what's not being said. Um, fucking... T- it's, like, peak, peak <laughs> prestige TV that no one's fucking heard of. Yeah. Um, highly recommend. If you like... Uh, uh, if you like Ozark, this is the show that Ozark copied, basically, so... Definitely my recommendation. I've also been rereading the Dresden Files, which is quite good. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, if people want to find us on the internet, the best place is dcm.works or where DCM works and all the socials. Uh, if you want to support us, the best way to do that is at patreon.com slash dcmworks. You get access to all kinds of behind-the-scenes content. Um, working on a new podcast at the moment, which I'll uh, put a post up about tomorrow, um, which you have the opportunity to contribute your voice to um, if you're a Patreon, which is pretty exciting. Uh, that was one I was telling you about. It's going to be real interesting. <laughs> when I say contribute your voice, I mean, not exactly, but I will kind say of. no more. Um, in, a, in a bit, in a way. In a way. So keep an eye out for that. Um, you can also get access to like 60 plus hours of behind the scenes extra content, access to our post show, just all kinds of stuff. So definitely check that out. Uh, we're about to shoot a post show now. So if you want to s- hear more of this, um, then you can go to patreon.com slash DCMworks. Subscriptions start at $3 a month and that gets you access to everything. Um, so definitely go do that. Otherwise, if you want to follow us individually, I'm at DCMWhipPi. I'm at Literal Citrus. I'm at Laura Ducky B. We'll see you guys next week. What are we doing the post show on? Post show? Um, I've just got some comment response. Oh, cool. All right. Oh, we can just ship shit. You know? Yeah, an easy, easy post show.